Stay here, no problem. You're welcome. All right. Uh, I want to share something with us, and I pray that it's going to bless you. I just want to believe that. Um, I was meditating, and the Lord caused me to say this. I want you to understand that the life you live can cause the heavens to make a decree of things that happen on the earth. There are some rules God put in place. There are some statements God have made because of what he saw men do. And I'm going to give you a typical example of that. Something that was not in the law, but you find that God began to talk about it. And God began to use it to instruct his people. Because somebody gave time to do something that was unusual. Something that was not normal. Something that was not common. Something that men had never seen before. God did it. I mean, somebody did it. And God, because of that, had to begin to talk about it. And it became a standard. And to a large degree, you are also part of what that individual did, even though you were not there. So it's this way. For instance, Adam sinned, you became a sinner. Jesus died, you became righteous. Am I right? You were not there. Somebody did something, God walked on what he did, and then it began to affect you. Now there is a way you go about life, and there are some things you do also about life, that God finally brings into what I say, the book. You find at the end of the day, that you keep on doing, or you come to begin to do those things, that those individuals did, because God eventually, if I may use the word, promulgate a decree about that action of that individual. For instance, in Genesis 8, I'm coming to that. I'm going to give you the topic of what I'm talking about. But just in case you want to write it down, I'm saying giving that speaks in the future. Giving that speaks in the future. There are some life you live in terms of giving that speaks in the future. In other words, some givings you enter into today, you go ahead to use those things to challenge every negative situation in your life. Okay, but just to go back to what I was saying before. You know, when after the flood, the Bible said, no, I made a sacrifice. How many of you understand that? And God came down and said, man, the Bible said, God smelled a sweet servant and said, man, right from this moment, the earth shall no longer be destroyed anymore. See, time and harvest shall not, do what? Shall not cease. Now, that law that God brought forth, he did because Noah offered the sacrifice that pleased God. Now, that which Noah did automatically begins to affect you now. Galatians 6 is telling whatever a man swear that shall he also do what? Reap. When Paul was speaking that, he was not in the days of Noah. And today you know that even life basically explains that. You can never be able to live in fruitfulness and in fullness without you first sowing seed. Is that okay? But somebody originated that law. God said as long as the earth remained, seed time and harvest shall never see. In other words, if you want to harvest, you must sow. Is it true? You want crops, you will sow. Whatever thing you want in life, you're going to sow. Now the Lord came into being because somebody acted outside of the normal situation. 
But I'm bringing it back home to what you know so well. And when I read the scripture, don't change your countenance. <laughs> because what I want to explain from it is completely different from what you'll be thinking. But all the same, it is something you know and something you should know and something you should walk in. Turn with me to Malachi 3. Malachi chapter number 3. Let's begin to read from number 7. This is a common scripture that everybody knows. But there is something I want to point out this morning. That you do not know why it originated. Look at it. Even from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances. And have not kept them. Return unto me and I will return unto you. Say the Lord of foes. But you said, wherein shall we return? Go ahead. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, but he say, Wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offering. Go ahead. He say, You are caused with a cause, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Go ahead. Now, this is what I want you to note. Bring you all the tithes into the storehouse, Mark's storehouse in your Bible. The origin of the storehouse is what I want to show you this morning. And the storehouse is tied up to the issue of tithing. But you see, if you take time to read the book, there is nowhere you're going to see God give a commandment in relation to having a storehouse. So how did the storehouse originate? And how come God is beginning to speak about it? Hallelujah. He said, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house and prove me now here with, say the Lord of hosts, if I will not hear the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall be no room enough to receive it. The storehouse is connected to the room in your own life. But I'm dealing with the storehouse so that you can have an understanding. Now again, Somebody spoke, once spoke to me, I was sharing part of this sometime, basically I think in South Africa. And the person asked me the question, but you see, Pastor David, we are in the New Testament, so we don't talk about tithing. <laughs> we talk about giving. I say, you are right. Now watch this. In the book of Matthew chapter 5, the Bible says, accept your righteousness. Exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you shall in no way enter into the kingdom of God. Now, if the scribes and Pharisees are giving 10%, what do you think God is expecting of you? Because he said you must exceed. <laughs> you have not even been able to practice 10%. You are talking about giving. Giving is basically above 10%. Is anybody getting this? Then Jesus said that your own righteousness, because the practice of the tithing was a righteousness to the scribes and Pharisees. And he said, For you to come into the kingdom, your own righteousness must exceed your own. Now, let me show you one scripture today that will make you understand that even Apostle Paul spoke about the same thing with another language. Remember what he says. Can a man rob God? Verse 8. We read that before you. 
Okay, turn with me to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 2. And if you can put it in the Amplified Translation, I would have loved it. Romans chapter 2 from the Amplified. I will have loved it. Okay, good. Okay, 22. Let's start reading from 21. Well then, you will teach others. Do you, do you not teach yourself? While you teach against stealing, do you steal? Take what does belong to you. Next verse. You will say not to commit adultery. Do you commit adultery? Are you on chasing action and in thoughts? Now I want you to understand that. Because anytime you talk about adultery, your mind is going to a man or a woman affair. But in the true sense, the original sense, it has to do with what? Unchased in what? Action and in thought. See what Jesus said. If you look unto a woman and lust after her, you've already committed what? Adultery. Is that okay? So he's dealing with thoughts and actions. Now, but that's no way I'm going. You are poor and not idols. You don't like idols. You don't like worshiping idols. Do you rob temples? Now look at what you mean. Do you appropriate to your own? <laughs> Did you get that? Do you appropriate to your own use what is consecrated to God? Does robbing the sanctuary and doing sacrilege? What did God say in Malachi 3 8? You're robbing me. <laughs> so, what does it mean to rob God? To appropriate to your own use what belongs to God. So, don't tell me tithing is not taught in the New Testament. I don't have to prove that to you this morning. The king then said, Do you commit sacrilege? Sacrilege meaning robbing temple, temple robbers. But the original intent of that word is using what belongs to God for yourself. <laughs> and God, you say, do you rob God? In other words, do you appropriate to yourself what belongs to God? So what belongs to God? Talk to me. What belongs to God? Tight. If you watch it, you're going to see that. If you take time to read your Bible, especially in the book of Luke, for instance, Luke chapter 20, verse 25, he said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and give to God what belongs to God. Is that okay? Alright. Then, if you go again to the book of Romans, for instance, um, Romans 13, just lay the foundation, so that you don't, you know, you have to stop those arguments, and you have to see to it that people don't curse you to go into those Argument of saying, well, there is nothing about Titan in the New Testament. It's a principle. Is that okay? That God has laid, which has to do with giving. Okay. Romans 13, verse number 7. If you are there, it reads. Render therefore, King James, render therefore, what is it? To all their dues. Tribute to whom tribute is due. Custom to whom custom is due. Fear to whom fear is due. Honor to whom honor uh-uh. Are you there with me? 
And look at what the Lord said in the book of Malaika. Malaika, Malaika, I swear, chapter 2. He said, if I be your God, where is my honor? So he said, give honor to whom honor is due. Who do you think God is talking about? <laughs> Are you sitting there with me? Hallelujah. I want you to catch this so that we stop all those arguments. Anyway, let me take you straight now to the issue of the stars. So you know where all this thing is tying up together from. For instance, um, Second Chronicles chapter 29. <laughs> I'm going to read a little bit fast because we've got a few things to deal with. Second Chronicles 29, look at verse 1. The Bible says, Hezekiah began to reign when he was five and twenty years old. That means he was twenty-five years old when he began to reign. Youth, you can be who God intends you to be irrespective of your age. Hezekiah was twenty-five. He wasn't thirty when he began to rule. Is that okay? Come on. Are you done with me? Okay. The Bible says he reigned nine and twenty years in Jerusalem and his name was Abijah. His mother's name was Abijah, the daughter of Zechariah. Look at verse 2. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that David his father had done. But can I prove something to you? David was not the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah's father was Ahaz. <laughs> Are you there with me? You're going to see the connection. David has the right heart. What was the heart of David? For instance, principally we know him for somebody who wants to build a temple for God. I mean, if you understand that. Good. He loved the worship of God. He gave towards the temple. Solomon's temple was literally built by David his father. The Bible says, Hezekiah did that which was right in the sight of God, according to his father David. But his real father was Ahaz. Man, you can change your father by connecting to people who please God. Do you understand what I'm saying? Doing the right thing has to do majorly also in emulating the people that please God that are on record. This guy was 25 years old. I mean, he grew up and said, man, my Ahaz, my father, is not doing the right thing. This one is not doing the right thing. But I've heard about somebody called David and knew what David did. I'm going to behave and act like David. I want his life to be my life. In other words, I want to please God. So, listen, it has nothing to do with your biological parents. Can I enter into that? Verse 3. He in the first year of his reign and the first month opened. What did he open? The doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. That's the beginning of the journey. Young man came in and he found that there were a lot of idolatry on the line. So much was, I mean, the worship was polluted. The system was polluted. No more worship. It's like I saying the doors were locked. He felt bad. Coming into the throne, coming into the throne, as a king, he said, you got to open these doors. Worship must take place again. True worship must take place again. Somebody need to be challenged to say, man, we need to worship God. There's nothing to do who was there before. There's nothing to do with Christianity is not doing the right thing. It has to do with you. 
As the guy came and said, man, I'm not going to allow this. It doesn't matter whether people have been there. It doesn't matter whether this door had not been opened before. Now that I'm in power, now that I'm in throne, I want to act like David. I want the house of God to be open for worship. We need to think about the house of God. Some of us don't have time. We are so occupied with our businesses and we think we are dealing with someone. We are not dealing with anybody. You are just shutting yourself out of God's mercy and grace. On Friday we are being told here of, 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 of Daniel praying. How many of you understand the Bible said Daniel chapter 4. He was praying and he opened his windows to Jerusalem. Do you know why? You can check Psalm 5 and 7. But let me explain this. The simple truth is this. When Solomon was commissioning the temple that he built, he said, God, if they pray, you should answer from heaven. And now he was in Babylon. So he has to face the temple. That means when you face God, you face the temple to pray, your answer will surely come. You don't have to be thinking about the enemies. Think about the temple and God. He wasn't concerned about the enemies in Babylon. He simply faced the temple. And God shut the mouth of the lions. God caused his sleepless nights to come on the kings. And those who tried to mess him up, God messed them up. He simply faced God. When you face God, he takes care of your enemies. Are you there with me? Repair the temple. Verse 4. And he brought in the priests and the Levites and gathered them together into the east street. And said unto them, hear me, ye Levites. Sanctify now yourself and sanctify the house of the Lord God of your fathers and carry forth the filthiness out of the holy place. That tells you the place was completely polluted. So this man was a reformer. And God has called each and every one of us to be reformers. Hallelujah. Come on, are you getting what I'm talking about? Somebody was with us yesterday, this brother lecturer from our polytechnic who is intending and by the grace of God going to work with us next year we're starting a work at offer through him listening to our messages and believing into what we're saying came to me yesterday and we're discussing and he said look pastor which what can we do I grew up in this church I have been a pastor here but I've seen a lot of things that are not right with the word of God the way we preach it what can we do can you help there is a demand all over the place for true reformation of God's word within the church right now. That is why you don't play with your Bible studies. That is why you don't play coming to service to know exactly what God has in mind so that you can stand wherever you are to make a declaration of what God has in mind. <laughs> Hallelujah. Look at verse 6. For our father our trespassed had done that which was evil in the eyes of the Lord our God and forsaken him and turned away their faces from the habitation of the Lord and turned their backs offerings to the holy place unto the God of Israel look at verse 8 wherefore the wrath of God was upon Judah and Jerusalem and had delivered them to trouble to astonishing and to hissing as you see with your eyes when you abandon God you just place yourself at the mercy of trouble <laughs> Hallelujah. Are you seeing it there? When you abandon God, you place yourself at the mercy of trouble. Let me see if I can get this in true. Go to verse uh, let's get to verse 10. 
Look at what he said. Now it is in my heart to make a covenant with the God of Israel that his fierce wrath may turn away from us. Is that okay? So now, <clears throat> if you read from verse 11 to 15, you begin to see how he got out the Levite, gave them instruction on what to do. Amen? Look at verse 18. Just go to verse 18. Then they went in to Hezekiah the king and said, We have cleansed all the house of the Lord and the altar of burnt offering with all the vessels thereof and the showbread table with all the vessels thereof. Go to verse 31. Then Hezekiah answered and said, You have consecrated yourself unto the Lord. Come near and bring sacrifices and thanksgiving into the house of the Lord. I want you to know that. And the congregation brought in what? Sacrifices and thanksgiving and as many as we are of a free heart, bunch of friends. <laughs> and that is very important. As many as we are of what? A free heart. How free is your heart towards giving to the work of the Lord? How free is your heart? No, what is your thinking? When it comes to the things of God, as far as the issue of money is concerned, as many as we are of free heart brought unto the Lord. Amen? Alright. Um, you can read the whole of that chapter, just go on and on. But I want us to move straight to, um, okay, look at verse 36, verse 36. And Hezekiah rejoiced among the people that God has prepared the people for the thing was done suddenly. There was no delay. Why did Hezekiah rejoice? Everything that was needed for the worship of God when he was calling for people to come in in relation to their having the feast of Passover which was supposed to be celebrated annually. Everything was done suddenly. There was no delay. Why? Because they had a free heart to give. Are you still there with me? Is anybody following? Hallelujah. Go to Second Chronicles 30. Very quickly. Second Chronicles 30, which is the next chapter. Verse 1. And Hezekiah sent to all Israel and Judah and wrote letters also to Ephraim and Manasseh that they should come to the house of the Lord at Jerusalem to keep the Passover unto the Lord God of Israel. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, because of the thing that had been brought, because of the, the call that he made, there was a response. Now, let's quickly go to the next chapter. Second Chronicles 31. Now, you can take your time on your own to read from 29 to 31. And follow the mindset of Hezekiah. Listen. If Hezekiah followed Jesus, I mean David, and called him his father, there is a need for you to locate people who are truly and genuinely serving God and let them be your example of men to follow. Hallelujah. You know, there are a lot of people in church who say, well, I mean, anything can go on. And they don't have any contributions to make. They don't want to make any contribution one bit. Don't show them be your example. 
Because you are building for your future. Okay, let's move on very quickly. Chapter 30, are you there with me? 31 rather, verse 1. 31 verse 1. Now, when all this was finished, okay, that Israel were present, went out to the cities of Judah and break the images and pieces and call down the groves, throw down the high places and the altars out of all Judah and Benjamin, Ephraim also and Manasseh until they had utterly destroyed them all. Then all the children of Israel returned every man to his possession unto their what? Their own city. Okay. Just move on just a bit. Verse 2. And Hezekiah appointed the course of the priests and the Levite after their causes, and every man according to his service, the priests and the Levite, for burnt offerings and for peace offerings from, to minister and to give thanks and to praise, to praise in the gates of the tents of the Lord. He appointed also the king's portion of his substance for the burnt offering to wait for the morning and evening burnt offering, a burnt offering for the Sabbath. For the new moon, all of that. You know, it has a lot of things. Look at verse 4. Moreover, he commanded the people that dwell in Jerusalem to give the portion of the priest and the Levite that they might be encouraged in the law of the Lord. A portion of the priest and the Levite that they might be encouraged in the law of the Lord. Can I say something, people? Listen to me. If you truly know and believe that God has sent someone to minister to you. Don't keep him in sorrow. Did you understand what I'm talking about? <laughs> Don't let, I'm not saying it because of me, but I'm saying this because other people also listen to these CDs and these tapes. Listen, don't let your pastor, your pastor have needs. Just like every one of you have needs. Don't keep, listen, I've come to observe something, I've come to see it. If you keep your pastor low, it is always very difficult for you to rise. I'm not saying this because of me. I wish I'm preaching this in another church. But your face is not going to stop me from talking now. Help me tell your neighbor, this man is ready to talk. Thank you. See, the joy that flows the life of your pastor gets you in your success. Are you listening to me? If you keep your pastor perpetually in sorrow and needs, it will always be difficult for you to get over your needs. It's so simple. I'm just being honest with you this morning. I've never said things like this before, but I have to let you know. Not for my sake, but for your sake. How many of you understand that every log God gave, He didn't give it because of Himself, He gave it because of you. Keep your pastor low. Don't let him have the best. You can't come up. That is the law. I gave you a story here of a sister that went mad because she had a hatred for her pastor because of what the pastor's wife did. How many of you remember this story? Why did it happen? Because she was feeding from the pastor, but in her heart, she hated the pastor. 
So what she was receiving, instead of blessing her, became a cause. She became mad. Why do you think, Mika, the daughter of Saul, that he gave to David, became barren? The Bible said, she derided, she cannot hate, she cannot cause David in her heart. Because David was dancing naked before the ark. The record in the Bible, she was the only woman that was bearing the Bible because of what she did in her heart towards her lordship. The Bible says, give the portion to the priest. I, I used to remember. I'm not saying you are not sick. You are good people. I love you. I know. <laughs> but there was a time when some of you, someday on fellowship days, I'm saying this so that you go back to it. And not just to me. But for everyone you know is called as a pastor in this local assembly. Bless them. I remember when we used to come to service. People walked to my office. Sometimes a pair of shoes. Sometimes handkerchiefs. I mean, handkerchiefs. They come and say, Pastor, I need to bless you with this. After service. And at that time, we're in the little mushroom house. Now I will come to a place that is glorious by the glory of God and power of God. You've lost mind of what you're supposed to do. But I'm challenging you to get back to your roots. Because you know these things. Amen. You know a lie your pastor can't beg you before you do what you're supposed to do. <laughs> Just look at your pastor. You know what is good. I want to force you in this fellowship. Anytime I look at my wardrobe, I say, thank God for this guy. He knows my size. He always goes to the market, buy me some good stuff. Thank God. Anytime I look at the wardrobe, thank God. There are two materials that I don't use anymore, but I can't give them out. Because of the guy. Because he reminds me to say, God, thank you. No, they are there in the wardrobe. My wife knows. Anytime I look at it, God, thank you for this guy. I mean, it's simple. Hallelujah. Let's go on, let's go on. Okay. Does that offend somebody? Okay. Otherwise, I have no apology. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, now look at verse 5. And as soon as the commandment came abroad, the children of Israel brought in abundance of the first fruit corn, wine, and oil, and honey, and all the increase of the field. And the tithe of all things brought there in abundance. Mm. Hallelujah. Okay, look at verse 6. And concerning the children of Israel and Judah that dwell in the city of Judah, they also brought in the tithe of oxen and sheep and tithe of holy things which were consecrated unto the Lord their God and laid them by heap. Man, I want to tell you something. After now, we're going to be taking what I call heap offering. And I'm going to be doing that once every month. No basket. Put it here. And we must do it to the point where we're going to get raked to rake it. You see, I'm not talking about. Hey, Odia, why are you looking at me like that? If I get ready to get a rake, you need to buy the rake as an article of faith. As the chief usher. Are you getting what I'm talking about? They brought in abundance. You know what? They were not putting them in some little place, they were heaping them. The offering they brought became hip. Remember, he didn't force them. (laughs) 
He simply said, we want to give thanks to God. We want to praise God. We want to give Him thanks. We want to restore everything that was lost. Everything that our father damaged, we want to put it back. And the people say, yeah, we have to do that. So we have to do it with one mind, one spirit in agreement. He said, we got to do that. Now they begin to bring the offering. I begin to heap. Hey, hallelujah. Look at verse 7. And in the third month, they began to lay the foundation of the heaps and finish them in the seventh month. Four good months. Collection was taking place. How do you like that? Non-stop. So it's not a question of Sunday service. Man, if you need to bless the Lord, as you come to service, just write what you need to bless the Lord with. It could be Wednesday, it could be Friday. Anytime there is service, do something. Not Sunday service alone. Are you still there? Foremost giving non-stop. Verse 8. And when Ezekiah and the princess came and saw the heaps, they blessed the Lord and his people. Hallelujah. Then Hezekiah questioned with the priest and the Levites concerning the heaps. And Azariah, the chief priest of the house of Zadro, answered him and said, Since the people begin, began to bring the offering unto the house of the Lord, we had enough to eat. <laughs> Who are the people answering this question? They were the liver, they were the priest. Are you getting that? We had enough to eat and have left plenty. For the Lord has blessed his people. And that which is left is this great store. <laughs> Hallelujah. Look at verse 11. Then Hezekiah commanded to prepare what? Chambers in the house of the Lord, and they prepared them. So the chambers is what you call storehouse. So when the Lord said in Malachi 3, Bring ye me all the tithes and offering that into the storehouse, it was in reference to what who did Hezekiah do it. It became a law. It was not there in the law of Moses. <laughs> Did you get that? That's why I'm saying there are things you can activate in the spirit dimension. They become laws on the face of the earth. The people brought so much. It became a heap. And you guys said, what is, what is going on here? So I look, you don't understand. Since you say we should bring, everybody with willing heart was bringing. And we had enough. Even the live at the priest, we had enough. We've eaten leftovers. And this one you see is something we can't even touch. We don't have need of it. As the guy said, Is that true? Say, okay. You go there into the temple and prepare what? A storehouse. And put the whole thing there. So they went and prepared a storehouse and began to load the whole stuff in that place. That is what you see in Malachi chapter 3, verse number 10. Are you getting that? Praise the living God. <sighs> okay, let me show you for time's sake. But there comes a time when I'm thinking I'm going to be preaching two hours. But for now, let me still go with the obedience. Thank you for allowing me today. Amen. Okay, let's, let's look at this. Second Kings. Second Kings chapter 10. Let's see. Do we have some benefit over this kind of thing? Do we, do we think we have some benefits? People think, well, no, I'm not interested. The pastor just want my money. There be, people just want my money. <laughs> Amen. Let me tell you something. 
I say this more to pastors, and I'm going to share that in Kenya as I go. You don't own anything. God owns your life and owns your money. I don't own you. Because shepherds in Israel don't own sheep. Shepherd only work for the sheep owner. So Moses had to work for Jethro. He didn't own a single one. Come on, are you getting what I'm talking about? <laughs> David worked for his father. He was taking care of sheep, but he was not the owner. Saul was looking for the asses of his father, not his own. Shepherd don't own sheep. That is why I don't own you, but you are my brother. I know my limit, I know my boundary. One man owns you, and that is who? Jesus Christ. I am on that shepherd, he is your shepherd. Is that alright? But the other side, you own nothing. Everything you have is God's. Can I hear any man to that? Somebody doesn't seem to be liking this pastor this morning, but it's fine. <laughs> I like saying the truth because the truth will always set you free. Amen. Okay, look at Second Kings. Are we there in Second Kings chapter number ten? What is the benefit of this thing that Hezekiah did? The benefit. Second Kings chapter ten. Let me look on verse one. Second Kings chapter ten, verse one. Am I right? 20, I'm sorry. 2 Kings 20, verse 1. I'm sorry. Hallelujah. Look at what he said. In those days was a care sick unto death. And the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, came to him and said unto him, Thus said the Lord unto him, Say the house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Next verse. Then he turned his face to the wall and prayed unto the Lord, saying, Next verse, I beseech thee, O Lord, remember now how I walk before thee in truth and with a perfect heart. I have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept. What's the next thing? And it came to pass, as I was going out into the midpoint, that the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Uh huh. Turn again and tell Ezekiel, the captain of my people. Thus said the Lord, the God of David, thy father. Oh, come on now. Can you see the condition? He walked with the prophetess according to his father, David. David built the temple. David restored true worship. Ezekiel restored true worship. He brought in the bond offering. He established the storehouse. Now he's about to die. And he said, God, remember what I've done. So what is God's answer? You go back and tell him. He won't die. I'm giving him another 15 years. <laughs> giving for your future. Did you get that? He said, remember. He didn't go down praying, God have mercy on me. God, you know, we are all stupid fellows. Just, you know, you lost sinners. God. You know, I said, God, I said Man, you, you, I'm going to die. You're telling the prophet, you remember what I've done. There was no storehouse in your house. I bought storehouse. 
The place was down. I revived through worship. Are you getting that? God remember what I have done. That's why we were sharing this morning. The centurion. Remember what I've done. No, tell me. What can you really lift up? If you are praying certain terrible prayers, you see death right now. What will your prayer look like? What can you lift up as an evidence? What can you say? God remember this. This is prayer made easy. God remember. I came with a revolution. I came with reformation. In terms of worship. I restructured the house. I removed idolatry. And I established the storehouse. So, why should I die? And God said, hey, hey, hey. I said, go back. Are you getting what I'm talking about? Go back. This guy has something to say. I can listen to him. He has evidence. I can listen to Go back. Are you sitting there with me? Man, listen to me. You've had prophecies come to you that you are going to die. What did you do? Well, it's about time you spoke to God one time and said, God, listen to me. This man said, I'm going to die. But remember, let the same people who say you are going to die come back to tell you God wants you to leave. Praise the living God. I told you the story. The other time I was going to Singapore for a meeting. We had a terrible accident. Why am I in the night? Everybody left me in the car. Terrible crash. Out of Goon State on the road there. Before Biokuta. Right into the ditch. The seat was on my leg. 1 a.m. in the night. I was supposed to fly the next day to Singapore. Everybody left because they felt Amrobites were in the place. I can't get out of the car. My leg was trapped. I was struggling, calling people. They were running away. And something just made me relax. And I said, God, but you know I'm going on a mission. I can't die here. And the voice just came, touch the seat. I just laid my hands on the seat. The tear rolled on its own. I came out. Listen, if you're on a mission for God, if you're doing things for God, the things you are doing will speak for you in the days of trouble. It's not a question of my pastor is not praying enough. No. Let's change our mind. I told you I'm only an under shepherd. Your shepherd is God. It's Jesus himself. Not because my pastor is not praying enough. What is the evidence? What is God seeing to deliver you in times of trouble? They called Mooney in and said I had an accident on the road. And when he called back and said, David, don't come anymore, please. Go to the doctor. Got a treatment. Don't worry, next year we'll fly together. I switched off my phone for a whole day because I didn't want anybody to disturb my mind. Took minor treatment, board the plane, went to Singapore. I was padding myself in the hotel. I'm preaching at the same time. God's word must go on. Hallelujah. And great things were done. Faith. I'm full confidence, no devil is going to destroy me, no power is going to destroy me, as long as I stand on the platform of what God has given to me to do. Look at that. Turn again and tell Ezekiel, the captain of my people. <laughs> God recognize him. Hallelujah. Thus here the Lord, the God of David, thy father, I have prayed thy prayer, I've had thy prayer, I've seen thy tears, behold, I will heal thee on the third day that shall go into the house of the Lord. Where is he going back to? The house of the Lord. Two things there. Thy father David, the house of the Lord. 
Where do you see yourself? Hallelujah. And now think about it. Praise the living God. You can read the next thing up to verse number 10. Okay? That's why I added that. But I want to show you another reformer in the Bible. And then we'll pray. Told me to the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 13. Nehemiah simply means comforted by Jehovah. Book of Nehemiah chapter 13. Let me look at verse 11. Hallelujah. The Bible said, Then contended I with the rulers and said, Why is the house of God forsaken? Now, know the background to the story of Nehemiah. Nehemiah was in captivity. They were slaves. Okay? Captured and taken again into slavery. And Nehemiah was a call bearer to the king. Is that alright? And then he got the information that the temple is falling down in Jerusalem. The walls are down. Good service was not going on. And so Nehemiah was fasting and praying. And the king noticed his countenance that he cannot fall in. And he said, Nehemiah, why are you sad? What's the problem? He said, how can I be so happy when the temple, oh my God. <laughs> when the temple of God is down. And you see, <laughs> I don't know how to put it. But how do you feel, for instance, when you step in here, in the level we are? How do you feel? Do you even think sometimes, God, what are we going to do to get these things done? Do you think? Nehemiah was sad because of the temple of God. And uh, you read the story, he got favor from the, from the king and he went home and everything was supplied so that he can rebuild the temple, restore true worship. Is that okay? Alright. So now, yeah. He came in, in fact, giving back on the story, he came in, did all of the job and served as a governor for about 15 years and he went back again and then stayed for two years and he got to realize again that what he has repaired was going back. He has to return again. But let's just read this. Then contended I with the rulers and said, Why is the house of God forsaken? And I gathered them together and set them in their place. Then brought all Judah the tithe of the corn and the wine and wine, the oil, into the what? Into the what? Come on. Are you there with me? Where did I put them? Into the treasury. What is this treasury? The storehouse. Who originated the storehouse? Hezekiah. Verse 13. And I made treasures of treasurers over the treasuries. Shelemiah the priest and Zadok the scribe and of the Levites, Pedadiah and next to them was Hanan the son of Zachor and the son of Mataniah, for they were counted faithful in their office and was able to distribute unto the brethren. Now if you look at verse 14, what do you see there? Look at verse 14. Remember me, O my God, concerning this, I wipe not out my good deed that I have done for the house of my God and for the offices thereof. Remember me. Question again. What do you have God to remember you for? <laughs> Are you getting that? Remember me, oh my God. Don't wipe it out. 
Let all these good things I'm doing be on record. As I gaze the day of trouble, I will remind you. Praise the living God. Look at verse 31. Verse 31. What did he say? And for the word offering, at times appointed, and for the false fruit, remember me, oh my God, for good. This time, no trouble, but he's saying, I need some good to come my way. Let the things I've done bring the good things to me. Oh, hallelujah. Are you getting what I'm talking about? Not now when I'm in trouble. I want some good things come to me because of the good that I have done. It's about time you lift up the things you've done, evidence of the things you've done. Lift them up before God to draw from the heavens. The wood were meant for sacrifices. In other words, he restored through worship in the temple. All men who restored through worship would be a temple for God. They will always tell God, remember. Remember. Because God is concerned about his worship. God is concerned about his temple. Are you still there with me? I remember somebody once asked me, but we had the temple of the Lord. Sure. We are the body of Christ, sure. It's not the house, yes. But we are not synagogue people. You know what synagogue means? Now some of you have not been able to understand. When you read the book, you have the record saying Jesus was preaching in the temple. Other time he was preaching in the synagogue. Have you read that before? The synagogue and the temple are not the same. The temple was left there when they went to captivity. Those who went to captivity, especially in Babylon, came back home and they felt that those that they left behind have been polluted. They are the only pure people. So they can't mix with them. So they were worshipping under trees. Those who congregate under trees, who came from captivity, they were the people worshipping under synagogue. Is that okay? Hey, are you there with me? We are not under synagogue. Are you sitting there with me? We worship in a place. Like, look at it. The sun is so high right now. What about if the rain is falling? Will you stay outside to worship God? Is there anything wrong if we come together, join hands and worship? Scripture says, forsake not the assembly of the saints as the manner of some are. Where are we supposed to congregate? So don't come quoting scripture to me, you are the temple of the Lord. I know that people. Are you sitting there with me? Don't tell me what I know. I know it. What am I telling you? Don't get your mind off the things of God because you have the scripture to prove the things you want. You are only trying to excuse yourself from doing what you are supposed to do. What am I saying? It's about time. We wake up to do some things that we can use as a record, as a point of contact to speak to God for our good to come. And in days of trouble, we can go back to God and say, Remember! Your prayer become easy. So Nehemiah is saying, I don't even want to wait till the time of trouble. Remember me for good. <laughs> Let good things begin to come my way. Is anybody hearing that? And if you are in trouble today, I'm telling you the things you are going to be doing, you can speak to God and say, God, remember the things I've done in the house. Remember the things I've done for that servant. Remember what I've done for that sister. Remember what I've done for that brother. You've got to tell God to remember. 
But if you have nothing to tell God with or for, what is the likely go- I mean, likely thing you're going to be doing? Just be crying, God help me. God help me. God have mercy. You don't even know what you want to have mercy on. Just God have mercy. Man, I like the prayer of Hezekiah. Remember, the good thing is that I have done. I restore true worship. I establish the principle of the storehouse. You pick it up in the book of Malachi. Right now, God is speaking to people. You bring in your tithes and offering to my storehouse. Are you still there with me? That there might be meat in my house. Say the Lord. Then I will rebuild the devourer. And I will open the heavens. Windows of heaven. I pour you a blessing. Hallelujah. When you do that, I am committed to pouring you a blessing. I've been able to prove to you. Romans chapter 2 verse 20 to 23. You must not rob God. What does it mean to rob God? Using what belongs to God for yourself. What belongs to God? The tithe is the Lord's. Stand up. I want to give you some five minutes to pray. I want you to think this morning. See, what I'm bringing to you is real deliverance from bondages, from captivity, from poverty. I am bringing to you the things that can place you in a position to walk in a place of power and authority. Now, I want to give you some five minutes to pray. Begin to talk to God right now. You've heard the message. I want you to begin to talk to God. Come on, begin to pray. Talk to the Father. Where is your heart? Where is your heart? Where is your heart? Where is your heart? Where is your spirit? What do you do? What do you do? You always pass here, okay? Talk to the Father right now. Talk to your Father. Talk to your Father. Talk to your Father. Talk to your Father. I mean, if you are in a difficult situation,